Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. Everybody. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I always love getting to talk to my dad about all the things in life, and I know that it's going to help you today. Yeah, it really is. And we're going to talk really about what I think is one of the most important subjects that you could ever address because it's the little thing that will make the biggest difference in your life, and that's your attitude. Um, it, we, you know, you can hear about it theoretically, you can know how important it is to have a positive attitude. But you are empowered when you have the ability to to be positive in a negative world, to see the positive when negative things are going on, and to live a positive life uh, when negativity is all around us. And really darkness in the world and the natural represents the negative. The Bible says that the world was dark, it was void, it was chaotic and it, it, it had no shape, no form, because you can't see shape or form in the darkness. And so the natural supernatural correlation is that the enemy of your soul wants to bring darkness to your marriage. He wants to bring darkness to your situations, darkness to your circumstance. He doesn't want you to be able to see any hope. When things are dark, there is no hope. So the powerful thing that you need to realize is that the first act of Jesus was he said, or God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, was he said, let there be light. And, and that began to shift and, and transform what was void, what was formless, what was dark, what was chaotic. Because once you begin out of your spirit to speak light, then things cannot remain in void. They cannot remain dark. They cannot remain chaotic. So that's a force. That's the power that you have within you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And once I begin to speak light based on the picture that I see, based on the vision that I have, based on the future that I want, once I begin to speak out of my spirit those things that are not as though they were, and it starts with let there be light, then things shift, things change, so that's my warm-up. That's our, that's our introduction today. But let me just say something about Keela. Um, when in 1980, I can distinctly remember, I mean, I can remember the exact day. Um, I was in college. I was a sophomore in college. My then-girlfriend, who is now Keela's mother and my wife, uh, we had been dating for, at that time, uh, four years I really had a vision for her to be my wife. I had a vision for her to to really uh, to spend the rest of our lives together. And she, there wasn't so much of that vision in her, but uh, she was just wanting to live her life. She was wanting the best that God had for her. She wasn't sure that I was that, even though we were boyfriend and girlfriend. So we're in college, and uh, and we're in my 1978 forest green with a half white landau top uh thunderbird it was a very cool car if i might say so myself and uh it had an eight track i had one eight track and it was the the eight track of boston and um anyway we are in the parking lot of her dorm at evangel university in springfield missouri 
and we're having a devotional. And so I remember just as we were talking, I said, you know, uh, I believe someday we'll get married and I believe that we'll have at least three children and I believe that we'll have a girl in the middle and I want to name her half my name and half your name. So, you know, Sheila, this 20-year-old girl that didn't really know what she wanted in the future. She knew that she loved me. She knew that we were boyfriend and girlfriend. But again, it was my vision. It was what I saw in the future. And in every relationship, there's got to be one person that sees it. Doesn't matter if you're the male or the female. Doesn't matter if you're the man or the woman. Somebody's got to see a picture of what you want in the future. And so I was really prophesying and didn't even know it. But I did know it, but I didn't know it. But I believed it. And I said, I believe in the middle of having children will have a daughter. And I said, I want to name her half my name and half your name and call her Keela. And what do you think about that? So she said, I like that. And so uh, we actually knew this girl, and I haven't really told this part of the story, but we knew this girl and her name was Keela Deshay. We knew this girl in college, and by the way, she was gorgeous. And I told Sheila, I said, I like her name. And in fact, I want to I name Keela, not after this girl, but I want to name Keela half my name, half your name. And then, but let's call her Deshay. I said, what do you think about that? She goes, I like that. So anyway, we did get married. We did have three children. Keela was born second. She was born in the middle. I call her my mini me. We did name her Keela Deshay, half Keith, half Sheila. And she really does bear in the natural constitution of who she is, the best of me and the best of her mother. And at 30, all these years later, uh, Keela is embarking on really her greatest days. She heads up our internship here at Elevate Life Church, but she also carries with her a natural leadership gift, which is not always the easiest thing. Keela, it's not always easy to have a natural gift of leadership because where it starts is it starts with the naturally gifted leader. It starts with themselves. And I've always said this, that leadership is the most important thing you'll ever do. Self-leadership is the most important thing you'll ever do. And yet it's the hardest thing you'll ever do because a natural born leader, and I hate to say this, but it's true. They just have a harder life. And the reason they have a harder life is because as a natural born leader, they see things that other people don't see. They know things by the spirit that other people don't know. And it makes it very difficult because you have to continually deal with yourself. And so I'm excited today. This is my second intro. I'm excited (laughs) today because I've always seen greatness in you. Um, I've always challenged you probably more than my other two children, your other two siblings. Although I've challenged Josh pretty, in the most positive sense, severely, harshly, because of what I've seen in him. But I've challenged you in a way that they haven't been challenged because you're going to see in the next 30 years, you're going to see doors open for you that, and I'm prophesying, and this is now on tape, on 
digital, <laughs> on cassette, on eight track, on vinyl, on every future way that it could be recorded. But you're going to see God open doors for you that not only no man can shut, but the doors that only he could open for you that you've that you only dreamed about so the first 30 years have been the preparation it's been the scaffolding it's been working through your own stuff it's been uh you know dealing with yourself uh when your dream didn't come true dealing with yourself when your your hopes were were and and the the thing that you saw were literally like a an ocean that that splashes or just comes and breaks on the rocks. That's what you've seen. Water is broken on rocks. Flow is broken on rocks. Dreams are broken on rocks. But it's like there's a purpose for that. And so anyway, I'm very excited about not only this this LSI, this podcast, but I'm excited really for all that God has for you because I've seen it your whole life. I've seen what God is going to do, and I'm starting to see it come to pass. So anyway, with that, Keela, I'll pitch it to you. All right. Well, thank you, Dad, for all of that. <laughs> and I love that I have an encouraging dad who speaks over me, and it means a lot to me. So today I wanted to talk to you about something that I think is a strength in your life. It's something that I want to be a strength in my life, and it's something that I'm continually working on, but it's not like a full-blown strength yet and it's being positive in a negative situation I think for me I have found myself in places where you know you were talking about earlier about how God said let there be light well I have times in my life where I uh, quote-unquote go dark (laughs) yeah and the thing is when you go dark you don't even realize you're going dark because it happens so fast like you don't realize little by little that you're getting into a negative place, you're getting into a dark place, or even like you, you're slipping into a depression type thing. Or, yeah. You know, people face anxiety or stuff like that. Like you don't even realize you're there right. until you're in the middle of it and you hit that panic attack or you hit that place of numbness or that place of negativity where it's so hopeless and you feel so helpless that you're not sure what to do. Right. And I think for me, obviously, we know we have... God, and we know that we have power through him in our weakness, but I wanted to ask you in your, in your mind, what's your first step or what's the first step that someone should take as soon as a negative situation begins? Because I think for me, that's where I lose traction or I lose my footing into staying in the light that God has for me. And so what's a first step that you can take when a negative situation happens, not just in fear so you don't go dark, but so that you can really stay on that positive side of life I think first of all Keila it's it's really to realize that we all struggle on a level with those very dark realities that happen to us in life uh, Jesus struggled with it so my first stop is to remember that that I think in fact look it up for me but I think it's first Corinthians 10:13. Uh, but if it's not, look it up for me, um, that, that Jesus dealt with everything that we would deal. There's no temptation, the Bible says, that, that is common to man that God doesn't know about, that Jesus didn't walk through himself. 
And God is able, the Bible says, God is able to to make a way where there seems to be no way. And uh, and I think that's my first stop. My first stop is is to to know that there's nothing that I face that Jesus didn't face. And when I when I look at the life of Jesus, um, that my first thought goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that here is the Son of Man. That's how he referred to himself because he chose to take the form of a man. Here's the Son of Man, and he's he's in the garden, and he brings three of his friends, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him in his darkest hour. And you know the story, but I mean, they fall asleep, and and he asked them to pray, like, you know, just be with me, because it was the darkest time in his life. And uh, the Bible says that he was so severely... Um, consternated you know would be a word but really depressed i mean it's like it's like he cried tears of blood i mean there's very few people this is a real physical thing there's very few people who have that type of despair that their life is so difficult that they actually cry tears of blood but this is a real thing that happens when you're so desperate when you're so uh uh challenged emotionally the bible says that he cried tears of blood and he said lord let this cup pass from me let this let this cup pass from me and then he shifts it and he says but and and like i've always taught nothing before but matters so like we can always put a but yeah this happened but yeah i feel this way but yeah this is the most difficult time of my life but so so he says, but not my will, but thine be done. God, I want what you want. Then he goes back, hoping to find his friends, you know, praying for him. And he said, could you not like tarry with me? Could you not like be with me? Could you not feel my, my, my distress, my depression, my, the lowest time of my life? Like I wanted you guys to be there for me. And at the end of the day, what does that say? What does that tell us? That even the people that are closest to us, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're married or unmarried. It doesn't matter how close your friends are. Nobody can feel the pain that you'll feel. Nobody can walk through the valley of the shadow of death that only you will walk through, um, except for you. You know, I'm reminded of, of a, a story about C.S. Lewis and how he came to Christ. He was walking with J.R. Tolkien, you know, uh, are you familiar with Tolkien? You know, what, yeah. you remember what he wrote? Not right now. At the moment. You know? No, like if you said it, I would know it. But it's a famous series of movies. J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Do you know Louis? J.R. Tolkien. Look it up. Okay. Well, the we, look, we look up everything. But before we go there, what was the scripture? First Corinthians ten thirteen. Is that what it was? I looked it up. And it, it might be somewhere in there. I've just been reading. Yeah. Just just Google it this way. No temptation. 
Well, it talks about temptation right there. What does it say? It says, so anyone thinks they are standing strong should be careful that they don't fall. The only temptations that you have are the same temptations that all people have, but you can trust God. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. But when you are tempted, God will also give you the way to escape that temptation. God will give you the way so God then is you are able. able to endure it. So in other words, that's that would be the what the message of the new living. Uh, in, well, it's technically English the easy reading version. version. Okay, so go to go to the New King, New King James because I want to read it as I was saying it. There is no temptation that has taken you or that you will go through that that Jesus Himself did not face, but God is able. So, so what does it say in the New King James? Okay, so it says, um, and it is First Corinthians ten thirteen, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. So no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God, that you may be able to bear So what is that? You know, we think of temptation, we think, oh, sexual temptation, or we think of, oh, I shouldn't do this. No, the temptation with depression, the temptation with anxiety, the temptation with a panic attack, the temptation with anything that you're allowing your, to to. to to be to to cause you to be overwhelmed emotionally it's a temptation to go with that so so this is a reminder that Jesus dealt with that he dealt with that in the garden he dealt with that on the cross i mean you know he's on the cross it's like what what's going to be my response to having being nailed here what's going to be my response with feeling this weight of of humanity's sin past present and future the temptation is to to get mad the temptation is to come off the cross the temptation is to call for help he could have called ten thousand angels um but he said here's what he said father forgive them so in other words my first you asked the question your original question is what's, what's my first? first stop is that the way you ask what's it? the first step someone should take as soon as a negative situation so begins? the first step is to remember it's common that's what the bible says it reminds us so, so the immediate thing that comes to my mind is that scripture, that there's nothing that I'm going to face, that I'm going to have to bear, that Jesus himself didn't bear. And so I, my, my mind literally goes to the garden first, before the cross, the garden, that when you can be at that place where you're crying tears of blood, it's desperation. You've got your friends there. You're hoping they're going to, but they're not. Here's the thing. Nobody, like you can, you know, Jesus said, said cast your care upon me why because i care about you you know that 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 don't allow your burdens to be something that you're just burdened with but cast your care upon me because i care for you why that was my temptation too you know the bible talks about how jesus was went alone he went alone to be in the desert he, he fasted you know um I remember uh, the, another story in the Bible where there was a man who came to Jesus and he was in despair. His son would throw himself into the fire. He would cut himself. He would, it's like the, the man didn't know what to do. He said, Jesus, can you help me? Can you come to my house? And, uh, and, and Jesus just looked at him and he said, he goes, listen, right at this moment, if you'll believe, your son will be made whole. I don't need to come to your house. I need you to cast this care on me. And the Bible says that the man went back. He was a leader. He was a, very, he was a nobleman. He went back and on his way to his house, his servants met him and said, wow, your son was made whole. So I, that's the first thing. And I know it seems super spiritual, but I'm just telling you it is spiritual 
Because the thing that you deal with that takes you to the mat demands a spiritual response for an emotional, a real emotional, desperate, depressed situation that I can't handle. God, I, I just turn it completely over to you and 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 cast your care on him. Well, That's, I think I think the enemy he tells us all the same lies, you know, and and that's I think, what's so common. I think when, and that's what I'm saying. I think whenever you're going through a darkness, like for me, sometimes, and the truth is, I don't realize that I'm choosing to stay in it. Like sometimes I, I'm in it, and I don't realize I've made these choices that have kept me in it. And I think you know, even like the 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 location of the centers of your brain, like the emotional centers yeah. first. So that's how you process things yeah. first. And so I think unless you engage your spirit, that emotional center is going to take over. Well, you're you're either going to be led by the spirit or you're going to be led by your emotions. Yeah. And, and sometimes that, it's hard to get out of your well, emotions because you don't, emotions aren't just crying. Like emotions are what you're feeling no, in that they're moment. Real. They're real. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Like yeah. you're justified in having those feelings. But I think for me, I don't want to stay in those. You know, there's a there's a song it's called in my feelings and i don't want to stay in my feelings i want to stay in the spirit so how can i do that like how can i do that in a moment before it gets too far to where i'm having to fight so hard yeah so lord of the rings yeah that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say that and then i was like i don't want to sound stupid so this is before (laughs) now listen him and c.s lewis this is before c.s lewis became famous a famous author this is before his wife died that took him to the mat I've read, tra- I've read that book. Greatest tragedy of his life. This is before J.R. Tolkien ever wrote Lord of the Rings. And they're walking in the woods. And and and, and J.R. Tolkien is having this conversation with C.S. Lewis, because C.S. Lewis was an atheist. And he was talking to him about the shadows. In the shadows. I was just listening to that okay. on the way here. Listen. The basis for that song, the basis for that song is in the shadows. When you are feeling low, when you're feeling, and this is where C.S. Lewis was even in his own life, and that's why he called it the shadow lands. You're in the shadow lands. And so when you're at that point, and of course, you know the movie uh, Star is Born, I mean, big, huge hit. I'm off the deep end. I'm off the deep end. <laughs> and so the problem was, You've got a picture of a guy that he ends up killing himself and missing out on this wonderful life with this person that he has this crazy connect with because he can't lead himself. Again, this is history. Go back, C.S. Lewis. And finally, when C.S. Lewis trusted in the Lord with all of his heart, not some of his heart, with all of his heart, and did not lean to his own understanding, that's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, but in all your ways, acknowledge God. He will direct your path. When you don't know what to do, it's like, okay, God, I'm in the shadow lands. That's what C.S. Lewis said. I'm, the, I'm in the shadows. And yet, it's in the shadows. The Bible says that if you'll get under Psalms 91, this is what I would encourage people. Get in the Word of God. Go to Psalms 91 in your most desperate hour and say, you know what? I'm going to come under the wings of the shadow of the Almighty. When I was a kid, um, uh, we would have breakfast every morning before school. And it was always the same thing, scrambled eggs with toast. But it was great, I loved it. 
And so my mamma was my hero growing up. And we had a little plastic uh, bread box. It was called the Bread of Life that had scriptures in it. And, and we would draw a scripture every day. That's how we started our day. We'd eat and draw a scripture, and we'd read the scripture out loud. My favorite scripture was Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is my refuge, and underneath are his everlasting arms. And it's my life scripture. The eternal God, in other words, in your temporary situation, the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are his everlasting arms. So that's my first stop. That's, my, that's the first thing I do, is I, I lean into God, and whether it's a modern movie like The Star is Born where a guy didn't, nothing about God in that movie, and he commits suicide. That's, that's what most people do. Without God, listen, your emotions, something in your life will take you to the mat. Somebody's death, a death of a marriage, a death of a dream, something will take you to the end of yourself, and that's why we need the Spirit of God. But then... It's like, okay, Jesus had these same things. There's no temptation. There's nothing that, that I can't bear that Jesus didn't bear. That's why he went to the cross. I lean into him and trust in him. Okay, God, with all my heart, because you know what? That's all I've got right now. Really, at the end of the day, all you've got is all of you. And when people leave your life, when things mess up your life, when things don't go well, here's the second thing I decide, Keila, okay, is... That person left me, but I'm not going to let him take my heart. I gave him a piece of my heart, but guess what? I'm not going to let him take that piece. They decided to leave. I'm taking that piece back. So didn't you write a song about that? Yeah, a long time ago. I know. But what was the lyric in there? You love me for me. Love me for me. But isn't it something about a piece of my heart or something? Or was that the song Whitney wrote? You oh, took yeah. a, you took a, what is it, what was um, that? You took a, oh, maybe, shoot. hey, here's the thing, maybe on this, like <laughs> for later, Louis, maybe you can roll in that, that song that Whitney sang about a piece of my heart. But I'm going to just tell you something. We give people pieces of us. Nobody has all of us. We give people pieces of us. But when the piece that I gave somebody, you can only give people a piece because that's, that's, that's like, as your love grows, they get more of you, but God has all of you. So, so at the end of yourself, you come back, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. He's the only one that gets all of it. We could say to people, I, I'm gonna give them all of my heart, but the truth is you give them as much of your heart as is physically and emotionally possible. The reason we give God all of our heart is because he takes the pieces of our heart that are broken, and when we give it back to Him, that's where we can be healed. Well, you know what's interesting about that, too? I think, you know, whether you've walked with God or you didn't in a season, you know, no matter how much people love other people, no matter how much you, like, attain or achieve in life, there's always a void. Like, you look at the people in there's Hollywood. There's always a void. There's always a void because I think that there's a part of us that's reserved for only God. It is. And when He doesn't have it, like— he doesn't have authority in that area because you haven't given it over to him. And I remember asking, you haven't given him that part of your heart. Yeah. And so um, I remember asking God, I mean, this was 
about a year ago and I remember saying like, God, how many more times am I going to be broken? How many more times am I going to get my heart broken or something yeah. going to happen where I feel like, oh yeah, God, you get to use this again. <laughs> yeah. And like God spoke to me and he said, the more broken you are, the more I get to use if you give it back to me. And you know, I love- Because I, you know what? Let me tell you why. Here's why. Because that's a part of our heart until it's broken. Only then can it be redeemed. Yeah. See, sometimes we think we've given our all to God, but we haven't. And when we're broken, it reveals something. Okay, you know what? I could be broken by this, so I need God to take this part of my heart, and I need Him to redeem it. That's very powerful. Yeah, so I love in John 1, 5, where it says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Mm. Because I think for me, I don't know, like, I know everyone has like their different levels and you know, a lot of people will say they deal with physical things that cause them to bend towards that way. And mm. I don't know if you think that for real, maybe positivity is uh, like a, a DNA trait, like a, I think, a trait I, you have. I think it is, but I think, but I think it's, it's developed early because like for me, it was a hunger for God. Yeah. So in other words, I, I leaned into God early. I was at the altar as a kid. I would pour my heart out to God. So yeah, you can say, but the bent was shaped. I think we're all bent positively, but I think the enemy does his damnedest, if I can say it that way, to bend us negatively through our brokenness. So hey, this is part one. So we're coming to an end, but here's what I would say. I would say to every person that's listening, no matter what's going on in your life right now, take the pieces of your heart that are attached to either people, places, and things that have broken your heart and take that piece back and say, okay, God, that's a part of my heart that's really suffering and give that to God. That's what I would say to you today. That's what Jesus did. When he said, not my will, but thine be done, here's what he was saying. I know there's some stuff that is gonna that's coming that's gonna kill me, but I will rise again. He'd already prophesied that. I will rise again. And here's what I could say. You could say to yourself, I'm broken, I'm depressed, things are but I'm giving it to God and I will rise again. We're gonna leave you with that today. We're gonna come back with part two. Thank you, Keila. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.